I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Earbuds, Melbourne's podcast network. Earbudsnetwork.com. And welcome to Hunting Seasons, a podcast about two friends catching up on notable television shows one season at a time. I'm Broderick Gordis. I'm Damask Leary. And today we'll be discussing season two of Rick and Morty. Damask Leary, how are you? I am very well. That's good. I mean, you and I have been playing Zelda all day. Yeah. Which was not as fun as I thought it was going to be. Now, the Water Temple, the Water Temple, notorious for being oh, sucky as so all heck. So frustrating. It's good. Um, but that's the worst temple out of the way. The next two, I think, are quite good. Okay, good. How are you, Brad? Uh, yeah, I'm not bad. I'm pretty good. I'm, I'm hot. I'm it's sticky. very hot up here. Um, I'm actually very good. But uh, <laughs> it's good. very good. My my football team's into the grand final, so <gasps> that's I, right. Congratulations, bro. Thank you. I definitely did lot had lots to do with it. I know football gives your life meaning, so exactly, that's, that's basically. Uh, so that's very exciting. Uh, in the meantime, though, we've been watching a lot of Rick and Morty, so should we get stuck into it? I think we should. Excellent. Spoiler warning: on this episode, we will be discussing everything that happens in season one and two of Rick and Morty. Before listening, we recommend watching both season one and two. Uh, If you have not done so, proceed with caution. There are spoilers ahead. You have been warned. Some facts and figures for you. Season 2 of Rick and Morty picks up both immediately after and also six months from where (laughs) we left off, kickstarting a whole new series of mind-bending and hilarious sci-fi adventures. The series regulars are joined this time around by cavalcade of celebrity voice cameos, including Keegan-Michael Key, Jordan Peele, Jermaine Clement, Christina Hendricks, Patton Oswalt, Keith David, Matt Walsh, Stephen Colbert, Alan Tudyk, Jim Rash, and Werner Herzog. Season 2 consists of 10 episodes, each coming in at around 23 minutes, and took us approximately... Three hours and 15 minutes to watch. That is definitely shorter than the Return of the King extended cut. Definitely. <laughs> I'm really enjoying doing Rick and Morty. Yeah, it makes it pretty For easy. For many reasons, I actually watched but that's it, one of them. Yeah. I actually watched it twice this Ooh, week. I had enough, had just enough time to do that. Uh, Damask, I'm assuming no story synopsis again. Yeah, nah. That's no, fine. mate. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get into it then. Do you have a five-word summation then for your thoughts on season two? I do. Go on. Meaningless existence has its own meaning. Meaningless existence has own meaning. Ooh, interesting. Mm. I want you to flesh that one out for me later. All right. Uh, mine is similar highs but lower lows. Ooh, burn. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and we'll discuss that as we go along as well. Uh, so we decided this episode, we think the last episode, if you haven't listened to it yet, go back and listen to our season, our podcast episode on season one of Rick and Morty, mm-hmm. does a pretty good job of laying the foundations for what makes Rick and Morty so appealing. 
Yeah. Um, and so I think we decided we're going to discuss more this of this by an episode by episode basis. Is mm-hmm. that right? Unless there's something you particularly want to talk about. I mean, first. I think as we go episode by episode, those we'll things will come it. up naturally. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to do that. There's only 10 episodes. Um, if we don't think there's a lot to talk about, we can just move on to the next one. Mm-hmm. But some of these are meatier than others. So I'm sure we'll, uh, there'll be plenty to talk yeah, about definitely. overall. So let's start with episode one, A Rickle in Time. Um, uncertainty breaks Rick, Morty and Summer's time into two different theoretical possibilities. Beth tries to save a deer, Jerry hit with a car. <laughs> a basic summary of that episode. Uh, so what do you think of this episode, first and foremost, uh, as an introduction back into the show? Yeah, I've watched this episode quite a lot, mm-hmm. um, just because I think it's it's great. Uh, so I think the one, just that we join back exactly where we left off, except obviously six months has gone by, though I don't know how you would track that time if time isn't passed. It's six months for Morty, Rick and Summer. Right. But no time for anyone else. Yeah, right. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and then the the times splitting, the testicle monster. Yep. All very, very good. And then obviously we have that beautiful moment where Rick sacrifices himself. Sure. Which is very poignant, very moving. He's like, I accept this. I'm fine with this. And mm-hmm. then sees an actual chance to live. And he's like, fuck that. No, I'm not. Um, so I think like the poignancy of that moment and then we see him actually wanting to live uh, is a is a perfect balance of, of humour and uh, sentiment, which is good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have the Jerry and Beth stuff, which is good. It's funny, but uh, is feels so detached that... Um, I don't feel like these two aspects of the episode mesh particularly well. But okay. individually, I like them a lot, yeah. What about you? What are your thoughts on this episode? Um, I, I like both storylines, really. The stuff mm-hmm. with, yeah, as you said, the sort of time splitting into two separate possible timelines, theoretical timelines, Yeah, I think it's really cool. It's a really cool concept um, when they start talking about, you know, Schrodinger's cat and... <laughs> Floating outside. Floating outside. And yeah. that's quite funny. They both are and they aren't. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it, and eventually if they don't choose one, they, w- they won't be, mm-hmm. basically, is the is the ticking clock they've got around them. Um, I think it's a really interesting idea. I think it's a really good, fairly bold way to jump back into Rick and Morty season two. It sets a tone pretty mm. early. It's like, we're not effing around. Like, we're yeah. going to get into some pretty crazy uh, yeah. experimental yeah. things here, science fiction-wise. My- my favourite part of that episode is when Rick thinks that the other versions of him are going, going to, to kill him. To going to kill yeah. him. That's definitely my favourite bit. That's right. <laughs> it's very good. And there is a lot to look at what's being said here. So the the whole thing starts because there is well, Rick de- determines that something that the whole split happens because Morty and Summer share some uncertain about their place. In, uh, their place in regards in to him. In regards to Rick. Yeah. And so he tries to solve that by basically telling him exactly what he thinks of them or how little <laughs> he thinks of them, apparently, um, which, you know, gives them some certainty of their yeah. place, which seems to have settled things until one of those Mortys has a dig at, his, at Rick's drinking, mm. which is enough to tip Rick a little bit over the edge. And I think it's no surprise that Morty, at least, if not Summer as well, would have some hang-ups about their brilliant grandfather who doesn't seem to care about anything but is also brilliant. I mean, we see how fucked up Beth is. Yeah. And she's a direct result of Rick being an awful person. Mm -hmm. And so, obviously, both uh, Morty and Summer will eventually get to that place as well. Totally. But then to have that moment where 
one of the Mortys says something and is able to get under Rick's skin, mm. I think it's really important too mm-hmm. to show that as confident and as certain as Rick is most of the times, and he's able to re-establish once he has a big panic moment, considers thinks he's going to kill himself essentially, or other version mm. of him is going to try and kill him. He uh, he is able to right his ship and he's able to re- find his position, stable position again. Mm. But he the boat is rocked for a little bit when yeah. Morty has criticizes him and his you know finds a, a soft spot. And I think that's really important that that. It suggests it shows that Rick at least cares about what Morty thinks to some degree, mm-hmm. which is a cool thing to just address. It isn't explored yeah. hugely. Yeah, we don't just, need a big moment that no. centers around that, but just to know that there are some vulnerable parts of Rick yeah. that can be it's important kind of data. Scratched away. Yeah. It's important data, and mm-hmm. then similarly, when you get to the end of that episode, once they've had the collars on, and one of the Morty's collars isn't working, and mm. then. So what you've got going on there is in the other 90-odd versions of them that are going on, they're just fighting over Morty's killed them. But in the one where there's actually the problems occurring, Rick is extremely concerned and trying mm-hmm. to fix the problem. When Morty's in real peril, he yeah. does sacrifice himself for Morty's sake until, of course, the opportunity to live arises, <laughs> at, which pay, play, case, at which part he starts pleading with God. Until he gets to, <laughs> and th- that's interesting too. In the once he saves Morty, and all the Mortys are saved, mm. and all the Ricks that are left in the garage who don't understand why they're not got moving back too, and they start like, "Oh, please God, if there's a hell, be merciful," and all this mm-hmm. sort of stuff. I just find that really, really funny that he just <laughs> turns to a religion for a moment. Well, <laughs> until if, he gets back, I mean, it's like fuck you, God. I think that's logical though. If Logic and science is not going to help you. Then you're like, well, I might as well give it a sh- shot. Roll the dice. Yeah, exactly. Might <laughs> as well. Mm. Uh, that's that's quite that's quite funny. Um, the Beth and Jerry stuff. I quite like. Ultimately, I think it's it's funny. Like Beth's sort of dogged determination to and her pride in herself that's mm. to save this deer, and eventually she seems to have swallowed her pride and allows the deer institute or whatever they call it to take the deer but then you find out that it was a jerry absolutely um what's the word i'm looking for empowering her little uh power trip yeah it yeah <laughs> and, such like, a toxic relationship yeah that's just a great like it's presented as being like loving and romantic but really it's super problematic that he would like yeah. bend to her Mm. Pathological like, oh, need, need to this. be the savior, be the best person at all times. Uh, yeah, and don't do anything wrong. I, yeah. I, I think that's really fascinating yeah. too. Like Jerry is so pathetic. He's even, he's even pathetic in his romanticism, or he's they they done the right thing by letting it go, mm. and then he turns that back, and they both feel like it's the right decision. Yeah, it's so funny. To I, me. I love that in that situation, no one is doing the right thing for the right reasons. Like Beth obviously hands over control because mm. it would look bad if mm-hmm. she didn't. Mm-hmm. She would look like an asshole. I would have to be a pretty it. shallow person yeah. or whatever. To, yeah. It's yeah. not because she genuinely realised that that's the right thing to do. Yep. It's all about perception. I also just think, just going back to the Rick, Morty and Summer stuff, The that's, a again, bold sort of idea. And interesting, we were talking about last podcast, the complex ideas they have to present in, with animation mm-hmm. and like coming up with the idea of separating the two timelines into different halves of the screen and then when that splits into quarters and then that keeps splitting and so forth mm. and that can get pretty dense and complex but it tracks pretty well and it's a fascinating one to watch again when you understand what's happening when you already know the story and the beats 
to watch the differences between them, the similarities when they're there and the differences when they're not. Mm. And just how much work. There is so much. They had to animate these characters multiple times, these scenes multiple times. They they, they made it so hard for themselves. I bet uh, both times when the animators get these scripts, they're like, this is awesome, but fuck you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just, really? why are you doing this exactly. to us? Yeah. But I really love that as well. Mm. Um, yeah, there were some good quotes in here as well. I'm not sure these are exact quotes because I was taking them down as I went, uh, sort of as I was listening. How do you all think you're going to fix time while you're standing at your dumbass third dimensional monkey ass dummies? <laughs> I think it's something along those lines. And the other one is, you think I want to be an omniscient, omnipresent, fourth dimensional traveling being all my life? I got ambition. Uh, I will mess with time. I I will mess with time. I will mess with time (laughs) at the end when the testicle monsters beat up on Einstein. It's quite funny too. Uh, yeah, so I think it's a pretty strong opening episode. While the yeah, it's very strong. Uh, and the, what you're saying about how the Jerry and um, Beth stuff seems removed—that's surprisingly often that mm, there's is, just yeah. there is the zany storyline, and then just a storyline that's kind of happening at home. Mm-hmm. There's one coming up with the purge where Jerry and Summer are just <laughs> annoying each other at home, basically. I they sort of just uh, dip into the story for a second and dip glimpses, out. I, uh, love summer in those bits because it's so true yeah, yeah when yeah. someone comes in it's like you're on your phone that's cool it's like how is that a conversation dad yeah, yeah, like yeah. how am i meant to uh, somehow like conduct myself in that conversation you are not offering me anything anyway i love what they call conversational hostage or something like yeah. that yeah <laughs> uh anything else about that episode before we move on no i took very few notes for that episode because i've just seen it so many times all right so episode two is morty night run i think is Mm-hmm. The name of the episode. Um, Jerry is dropped off at a Jerry daycare. Uh, Morty <laughs> attempts to save a gaseous creature that has a hit on it. So uh, there's a couple of different things going on here. I like the. I think the Jerry storyline is my favourite storyline in this. First and foremost, just the hmm. idea that Jerry daycare Rick's would have to drop off, tag along Jerry's occasionally at a Jerry daycare, <laughs> and just what that place looks like. Mm. The idea of the needing to fix oh. the settings on the TV or connect a stereo. The, um, the or Beth kind of like... The Beth mascot is the best bit of the whole so thing. It's so funny. Oh, just like uh, the giant Mickey Mouse like hands yeah. and and mascot I head. I love you, Jerry. I love you, Jerry. Oh, I love you, Beth. Uh, mm. And just how that totally placates him. Mm. And a yeah. little bit where they're sitting on the TV watching Midnight Runner and he just like he leans, leans into over. his shoulder. It's really sweet. And then it's... I've got a huge amount of affection for Jerry. I think Jerry, he's Jerry just is the sweetest. He is great. I mean, he's awful, but awful. he's just the sweetest. But that's that's what I like about this show is that everyone's a little bit a little bit like that. Jerry mm. is is quite lovable because he's so dorky, yeah, as well. And I do like the bits where he decides to finally leave. It's like that was always allowed, yeah. and he <laughs> goes to get the ticket, and then isn't sure what's going on, and people start to get a little bit mm. upset with him, and he just freaks out and sees a bunch of weird stuff he doesn't understand. Is like, of course, because Jerry doesn't have the ability ability to look after himself that's he he leaves and realizes his own limitations and that's why all those other jerry's have stayed yeah well his limitation more than anything just seems to be he likes comfort and control but Mm. he can only ever have so much of that because he is limited by his intelligence and what he already knows new things scary well his idea of control is everyone thinking he's great, mm. 
but behind the scenes actually looking after him. Sure, sure. So his idea of control isn't really control. It's being well, it's, it's being in that daycare and having a Beth mascot being like, I love you. Yeah, Can yeah. you help me with the TV? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly right. In when someone and else could do that much easier and quicker. Yeah. And just that, just, but just that, yeah. And the faux version of control is like someone needs to put a, oh, I can do that. <laughs> the factory setting is always too the high. Factory settings, the factory <laughs> setting is always too high. Uh, yeah. All those little things are so funny. Or the, oh, man. And just a, just Jerry's getting along so well. Just all those Jerry's in the yeah. daycare. Just. And the, um, like the stepdad really. that's there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love that bit. Lovely oh, and a few of those timelines, Beth remarries. <laughs> but don't worry, I don't overstep my boundaries with Morty. I mean, he needs a father, but uh, he'll never, I'll never no be able to place you. you. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> I want to know more about that guy. Yeah, I know. There's, no, there's going to be an episode about him one day. Mm. Um, meanwhile, so the other storyline is... Morty and Rick, Rick and Morty go to this arcade. Blitz and Chits. Do, 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 do. <laughs> and they play Roy. <laughs> I love um, Roy. I love Roy. It is so good. Such a great idea. When Rick's playing, he's like, oh my God, this guy's taking Roy off grid. He hasn't got a social security yeah. number. <laughs> and the crowd's around. I mean, I, j- I also just think it's a wonderful example because obviously like Morty goes into the game and plays as Roy and then comes out and he's like, you know, where's my wife? Where are my kids? <laughs> yeah. And then Rick goes in and he's like, yeah, whatever. It's just a game. I was like, that is exactly how Rick must see his endless dimensions. Sure. It's just another game to play and yeah, yeah. consequences are whatever. Like, oh, you only lived to 55 years. Whatever. You suck. Boo. Yeah. Uh, let me do it better. So it's like just a perfect, like, and you see like Morty feels like he's lived a life. And there's yeah. even later in that episode, he's like, oh, we've run out of off-white Persian. Yeah, just he just randomly wakes comes up after out. being knocked out. Yeah. <laughs> he's just like, yeah. But yeah, just a perfect example of like, that is exactly how Rick would yeah. see his own life, the life of others. It's just like, are you going to win the game or lose the game? Whatever. And he, that just, that und, like uh, valuing of life mm-hmm. that they have uh, informs what Morty does in this episode, yes. which is he, he he finds out that Rick is selling guns to a hitman, which he thinks makes uh, Rick implicit in the murder mm-hmm. and tries to basically take a stand and stop the murder from happening. Yeah. Um, and then it's basically just an episode of finding out how even noble quests can have dire consequences. Well, yeah, I mean... The multiple deaths. Without understanding huge- the complexity of, one, the issue at hand or just the complexity of life yeah. and morality and yet still trying to moralise situations as Morty is a child and can't seem to grasp them. And Morty has to deal with the consequences of that, of not of having those limitations while trying to be like the moral compass. Yeah, and even not trying to look at it from a more meta perspective, I think there are a lot of, a lot of stories would just take the position that what Morty doing is the right thing, mm. even if... Even with some of the other stuff that might happen, that yeah. there wasn't there was a noble cause there, but it really makes you question like the knock-on effect here. There's a the, first. There's just the more there's the initial death that Rick causes to save Morty and Fart. Then there yeah. is the ongoing destruction that happens to the gearheads, mm-hmm. which are uh, the gear or the gear people, I guess. Um, that is pretty devastating. And then finally, when Morty does get him home, which hopefully might lead to a point where this was all worth it. He finds out that Fart's going to come back and destroy the universe anyway. Mm-hmm. And it's just him reckoning with, yeah, actual complex things are not black and white. Mm-hmm. A good deed does not mean a good result, mm. a net positive, yeah. even good intention. Yeah. Oh, and so I good. think this is probably 
one of the first steps of this season that we see that um, kind of culminates into what we see happen in The Purge, mm, mm-hmm. which is interesting. That, yeah. that black and white view and having those constraints on yourself and the universe as a whole mm. is going to cause you to have to um, pent up a lot of stuff and repress a lot of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what did you think of Jermaine Clement as Fart? The, it was great. I love. I thought he was. I love fabulous. Yeah, and I love the "Goodbye Moon Man" song, <laughs> which every time it comes on, I can't help but like sway slightly to it. Yeah, I because it's obviously a sort of like riff on David Bowie. Mm. It's such an interesting title, "Goodbye Moon Man." It feels a bit like a goodbye for David Bowie, except it came five months before David Bowie died. But once, when David Bowie passed away, that's the song I couldn't get out of my head for ages. Yeah. It's like, goodbye, moon man. Oh, it's really mm. sad. Um, it feels like like a lovely love letter in a way to the, the animations, the really like psychedelic yeah, was, music yeah. videos that go along with it. I'd happily listen to that song on It's repeat. so good. <laughs> um, he, he's very fun, Jermaine Clement. I love him in Moana as well. The, he does oh, the, the crab thingy. Taratoa. Yeah. That's a great song. That's my favorite song in the, in the movie. Um, it's a pretty odd detail that is it. Crombobulous Michael has his <laughs> current location on his business cards. When it feels Morty like a bit goes of a to find him. Yeah, I'm just like, if you're an assassin, I feel like you don't want people to know your exact. Yeah, location. it seems really odd. Yeah. Uh, very, very odd little yeah. detail to have. Almost like it might have just been a, a bit of a shit. We didn't really explain how Michael got to him and added it later because he gives the business card, but it's never said outright mm. that that's what it does. It just shows it. Yeah. It made me wonder if it was like an animation fix for a problem they had. But then again, with Justin Roiland, they could have always just it recorded is more yeah. dialogues. Who knows? Uh, another little detail of that episode, I don't know if you noticed, when mm. Rick is filling in the form to drop off Jerry. Mm-hmm. Um, this. It says so. It says the dimension that Rick is from, which is the what is it C one? Can't remember. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it says dimension that Jerry is from, NA. Not applicable. Not applicable. That's interesting. Yeah, I think that's very interesting. Hmm. Why wouldn't Rick either know or want to write down which dimension Jerry is from? Because it works on two levels. It creates it, it further adds this mystery of like where people are from. Mm-hmm. It, it adds this idea that doesn't really matter to Rick. Probably not. I think is the important thing. And yeah, that Jerry I, just isn't important. Yeah, I think I, I was figuring that when because. The Cronenberg one is the C one, whatever yeah, yeah. it is, um, and the one he's jumped to, he he's doesn't know or doesn't remember, yeah, which dimension he's in, and also he might have just done it quite a number of times. That it just like he's like whatever at yeah, this point, you know? possibly yes, yeah, um, and that plays into also what happens at the end when they're like, oh, are you, which you, yeah, that's which what I wrote. It was like, and they it, just swap. Like it says NA when Rick describes which dimension Jerry is from on the form. Um, so we don't know which Jerry we have, but also at the end, we definitely don't know which Jerry we yeah, have. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> maybe, maybe this has happened multiple times. Like, <laughs> He's like, I've got no idea at just, this point. He, and yeah. I, Jerry's a transferable, the, the whatever. the show doesn't care. Yeah, they're just yeah. completely interchangeable inside and out. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, I, I think that's really interesting that they can just be indiscriminately swapped mm-hmm. one for the other. <laughs> Very funny too. What do you think about the uh, post credit scene for this one, the um, Blitz and Chits uh, interdimensional commercial. The ad? Yeah. I, I, I like it. It seems like it may have been ripped straight out of interdimensional cable too. Mm. Like it might have been a little bit they had left over because it's 
or or it deliberately is just playing into that. I, I think it might be calling back to calling that, back that to it, yeah. Episode. And that like this is just another example of that weirdly loose uh, <laughs> improv style yeah. ads that apparently exist yeah. all through. No, the I liked it. I thought it was fun. It is quite fun. Um, cool. Should we move on to the next episode? Sure. Episode three: Autoerotic Assimilation, starring Christina Hendricks and Patton Oswalt. Some yes. good names in this one. Very good names. Rick reconnects with his hive mind ex-girlfriend Unity. Summer tries to help those who have been assimilated to escape Unity's influence with less than stellar results. Mm-hmm. But brackets, race wars. Um, <laughs> Jerry and Beth find that Rick has, a, has an alien creature chained up under the garage. Mm. So, um, this is this is a really interesting episode for a lot of ways. Very. I, th- I think it Oof. could have... Could have Sometimes it, it sort of teeters on the edge of being a bit like the um, Gazorpazorp uh, race or Gazorpazorp planet one, where I don't know it's just sort of the same. Then that one, it's about gender stereotype jokes, and this mm. one, it, it explores to the nth degree the hive mind joke, just Rick yeah. at, playing up and partying with them. But there is so much depth to it by the end mm. of it that I find it really, really, um, really successful episode of Rick and Morty. Yes, I mean, absolutely. Like, the depth is certainly there. Mm. I mean, as I've spoken about in a previous episode of like, when we are talking about season one and, again, in this season, it's in both the Jerry and Beth storyline as well as the Unity and Rick storyline, we're really exploring toxic relationships again. Totally. And how um, – I've actually got a quote here from the AV Club. Oh, yeah? Um, it's – the recap of episode three, written by Alastair Wilkins, mm-hmm. who usually doesn't write the recaps for it, but I actually found his writing to be my favourite cool. um, throughout the whole season of recaps. Be- yeah, beautifully written. And he's actually talking about the two kind of toxic relationships we see in that episode. And he says, quote, Taken all together, this is one of Rick and Morty's most thematically coherent outings. A half hour expertly devoted to teasing out all the possible ways people's interactions can turn toxic and destructive. This is a question to which there really is no right answer. After all, we see the completely confident and self-possessed create something just as terrible as the monumentally insecure. Connections can be forged by the most incredible passion or the most crushing circumstance. But those are beside the point when the real question turns on whether the two people or the person in the planet-spanning super organism can fit together in a way that lets those involved look beyond themselves. Beth and Jerry hate themselves far too much for that to be a possibility. While Rick is far too committed to his own hedonistic delight to consider what that could even conceivably mean with an entity like Unity. Yeah, so I just love that we see two different couples that have an unhealthy dynamic, you know, whether it be the hedonistic tendencies or the self-loathing, and they just spiral out of control because neither person or or entity uh, has the emotional maturity, intelligence or capability to assess the part they play in the other person's unhappiness. Mm -hmm. And so while on... With Rick and Unity, we see it on a grand scale, and Beth and Jerry, we see it on kind of like a, a small minutiae minutia yeah. of like the everyday life. I just, I just find the exploration of everyday that, life with a giant mm, alien yeah. stuck into it in, in a basement. Sure, yeah, exactly. And it's all about uh, distractions and blaming other or, or blaming other people so that you don't have to focus on your own on your own faults. Sure. Yeah. No, I love this episode. Yeah, I think it's really good. Mm. The um, it's. The, I, from a, just a general sci-fi perspective, hive minds are always 
a, a fun thing that comes in sci-fi a lot. Mm-hmm. You think of the Borg in yeah. like Star Trek and those sorts of things. And so the idea of like uh, a hive mind that is has human desires and is sort of a person too and having a relationship with a single-minded entity is mm. fun. They The exploration of um, Summer doing what we, again, much like Morty in the last episode, where you could argue it's a morally pretty sound thing to try and save a person's mm-hmm. life who is... The black and white without knowing or being able to conceive of the complexities yeah. of the issue. Yeah. And then to see what happens when finally they are sort of allowed to be released from use control mm. and then instantly start a race war <laughs> far out. Over and nipples. Yeah. So there you go. But um, mm. but y- I, I love, sorry, in this episode, so we have obviously the breakdown of Rick and Unity mm. um, because Rick cannot be bored ever. Mm-hmm. He constantly needs to be stimulated um, so, obviously, Unity is the perfect match for him. Of course, he would love a relationship with her because he can constantly change it. It's always moving, yeah. like, millions of moving parts. Of course, that's going to be fascinating to him. And when he loses that and realising not only does he kind of can have to be alone in trying not to be bored mm. again, but also that it's very possible that no one or mm. nothing will be able to fill that void that he has and so we have that really heartbreaking and tragic moment at the end Mm. where he creates life only to destroy it so that he can you know attempt suicide Mm -hmm. which is uh, pretty dark and how do you feel about that what results there where basically the only reason he does isn't successful at committing suicide is because he passes out from being drunk essentially like that on, it's just, but again, you wonder how many times has this sort of happened? This yeah. self-destructive cycle of, because you look at what happens in episode one of this season, where he is willing to, and this happens more than once this season, where Rick is pretty much just like, just I'm happy mm. to die, like he is ready, ready for death at, mm-hmm. at some points until either it's a complete reality or uh, there is a slight chance of life mm. to, to go on continue. Well, it's interesting you say that because I didn't read it to be as though he passed out from being drunk. See, it seems really like it to me because they make a lot of reference to him like he's drinking when he comes in, he's already drunk, mm-hmm. he then drinks the fluid that he uses to bring the creature back to life. He, he doesn't – it's not like a depressed – because it looks like I think at first when I read it, I, I thought he just sort of put his head down. Like, yeah, it looked like depressed. he slumps to me. But it, it's it's much more of a whack, and then he stays there like passed out overnight. Because then you see Jerry with the weed whacker at the end too, and just for him to be like in mm. that position for so long suggests that he passed out. Right. Like so, it's and we know he yeah. we know he drinks. We know he's an alcoholic, and we yeah. know and um, we can assume he does it because he you know obviously very very he's hurting inside Mm -hmm. and it's just like almost how those two levels of hurt cancelled well saved his life for that moment Mm. but it's only a stopgap yeah in the moment yeah it's yeah i'm not sure what to read it because it's 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 tragic it's tragic because they can't i think that's the they can't kill him the point is that obviously the yeah it's the tragedy of rick is his loneliness, his yep. inability to connect with people because of his higher intelligence. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just tragic. I'm not sure. That, that That's what it is ultimately. It's, it's a tragedy. Yeah. They're having their cake and they're eating it too, which is clever because if he if he committed suicide, well, that's the end of the show, mm-hmm. right? But if he chooses- another, We'll just go on to another dimension, but yeah. If, yeah. If he chooses 
to not commit suicide, that's making too much of a statement as well about where he is. So making it that he realistically was making a maybe half-assed, but a potentially successful attempt at suicide Mm. that he kind of blindly lucks out of of successfully doing Mm -hmm. due to his other symptoms of his ongoing depression and loneliness is really sad and really dark and adds a whole other layer to it, I think. Mm. Um, Yeah, it's a pretty crazy place they put Rick. And for someone who... And again, this goes back to what we were discussing last time. Some people really want to hold Rick up as being some like enlightened uh, hero, some woke person who understands that life is just about doing like, what makes what, nihilism doing what you is cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but this show is trying to show you that like it's... you can be sympathetic for him. You don't. He's not a good person, but he's a sympathetic character still. But it's yeah. also awful and sad and depressing, and you should not want to emulate him. Yeah, and that being. You know, having that nihilistic mentality is hard to maintain over a long period of time. Absolutely. N- not having um, true, honest and vulnerable connections with people is incredibly isolating. Um, and isolation, you know, tends to lead to depression. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that it's a dark place to take Rick, but I also think it's a really important place to to put him to, yeah, to clearly show that, you know, it's not something to look up to. Mm-hmm. It's incredibly sad. Yeah. yeah. And anyone who doesn't see that is just not looking, mm. not reading the show or is actively pushing out of their, yeah. uh, their reading of the show. Should uh, perhaps after we've gone through episode, episode one, talk about the news recently that's been spoken about Rick and Morty. I don't know what you're talking about. With the fans. Oh, yeah. Sure, we can talk about that now if you like. Um, Let's just go like a little statement or two, it might be, It might be more interesting to do that next episode. Next episode. Because it came, I think that started- it's relevant to, yeah. To one of the writers in one of the episodes specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, I've the, the writer you're talking, you know, would be discussing to be very vague right now. <laughs> she wrote episode three, Pickle Rick. Mm-hmm. And we, I think that's a good one, maybe a better time yep. to talk about it okay. then. Um, but yes, but, you know, very interesting mm-hmm. in terms of how people view- this character and unfortunately just hold on to the wrong message of what's actually being said here. Um, A couple of little details that I love in this episode. I'm sort of getting ahead of myself. I may not have any uh, (laughs) quick fire uh, comments. comments I'm just going to go through them here. Uh, I love the racial slurs between the two different... um, What were they? Well, there's the... So they've got different shaped nipples, right? There's the ripple nippled... (laughs) Knife nippled and target chested were the, right. the like racial slurs they talk to each yeah. other. I love the community reference joke that's in there oh, as well. Yeah. Where yeah. Now cancel it. Yeah. 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 And it's like, t- yeah. now make them cry, but happy cry. Now make them all laugh at the blonde one. Now make them all do it on the table. Now cancel <laughs> it. Now put it back on. Okay. Now I'm bored. <laughs> and it was just, it felt like mm. the quickest retelling of Dan Harmon's journey with that show yeah. in terms of like funny. Then it was. The f- adding the emotion, then making Britta, who people didn't like, the funniest character on the show, mm. then him just having fun with it until it got cancelled and getting bored with it, basically. Yeah. Um, and also, the this happens a lot. Rick's into redheads. They're often referenced redheads. Mm-hmm. Um, Is Morty's Jessica a redhead? Uh, I think so, yeah. yeah. And that's a, totally a Dan Harmon thing. He yeah, constantly okay. talks about his, like, when... Sort of his kink was redheads. Mm. Is it this season they talk about uh, finding Jerry's mannequin leg? 
and not no. talking about it. it. Must be a different episode because the mannequin leg thing, which came up in Community as yeah, well, that's right, and also comes in Rick and Morty, is another Dan Harmon thing. <laughs> He's very upfront about his sexual kicks. Let me just say that. Good much. on him. Why not? Yeah, why not? Uh, but they're all those they, they keep coming up in his work, and it's really it's it makes me funny. laugh a lot. Yeah. Um, you got to laugh at yourself, you know. Yeah, he's good at that. Don't worry. Episode four, total Rick Rickall. Mm-hmm. I wrote Rockall for some reason. <laughs> Thanks, autocorrect. Telepathic alien parasites who embed themselves in memories and take on the appearance of zany, wacky characters. Take over the Smith household, and our heroes have to figure out who is real and who is a parasite. So. This is a pretty cool episode in terms of it's a bottle episode, essentially. Mm-hmm. I love bottle episodes. Love, yes. love, love bottle episodes. Mm-hmm. Good ones. Um, this is also pretty much ripped out of a community concept mm-hmm. uh, of the fake clip shows, which- What season was that? Community has two of them. I want to say season two and season three, maybe. Okay. I, haven't, right. I haven't watched them in a while, so yeah, I have to check. It's been years since I did. Uh, but they are hilarious. And um, they essentially just transplanted this concept over and gave it a sci-fi mm. like meaning behind it. So, such a funny episode. I really, really love this episode. Yeah, me too. Just, me too. I'm a big fan. It's yeah. I not only do I love the absurd flashbacks that we get of the parasitic mimics, yes. which are great. Um, I just love the design of the mimics. When they get killed and you see them just sort of breathe and yeah. like um, anima- like a morph out of them and then mm. wither and die. Very cool. I just I was like, that's such impressive animation. Yeah, the animation's cool great. Every time. Yeah. Um, but I also love the terrible memories they have of each other. Yes. One in particular sticks out in my mind, which really fucked me up. I was like, oh, that's super dark, which is when Summer comes in to Beth's bedroom. That one, that's I've got that written down as well. Yeah. Because it is so dark. So and Beth's drunk yeah. on, and like there's wine everywhere. She's so fucked up. And then she accidentally smacks Summer in the eye oh. with her wine bottle. It's like so dark, it's but like it's it, not really funny. It's not really funny until Summer says blind <laughs> because Beth's like, I'll still take you to school. And Summer just screams, I want the police to take me. <laughs> Which is, I don't think I heard that the first time I watched it, but I heard this time, like, that's very funny. But yeah, I think that was going to be my quick fire comments. Like, I think that's the darkest moment um, for me. No, not only that episode, but almost this entire season. I'm it, like, oh, it, it, that's real. It really that's rides real that line stuff. of like, yeah, yeah, like that's getting to a place that's hard mm. to make jokes of it mm. anymore. But then we also have the beauty of um, Jerry and Sleepy. What's his name? Sleepy Gary. Sleepy Gary. Yeah. Which is, I like, I was really shipping them. I'm like, I just want you guys to be happy. And like, it's so sad that you have to hide your relationship. Um, I thought that was beautiful. It's a it's a really well-rounded episode. It's it's one of those ones where there, I don't think there's a whole lot of depth to it necessarily. It's a lot of just pitching jokes and jokes bam, and bam, jokes. Bam, 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 bam. Which is great. Really hard. And just a fun sci-fi, sci-fi concept. Mm-hmm. Really quick-witted. It doesn't. It gets those dark places. It has those glimpses mm. of like um, intrigue or depth to them, but it's not exploring anything particularly. It just gets to that really ironic and sad sort of place where the only way they know who's real is because they have bad, bad memories, memories of them. Yeah. yeah. Yep. That's my bitch of a sister, and then throws her the gun, and she joins in, and like mm. uh, that. Yeah. Yep. Uh, it's just and so clever. And then we've got that little original. twist at the end where Mr. Beth Poopy Butthole shoots Mr. Poopy Butthole and then he has to go into rehab and then he asks them to leave. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you love him, you should go. 
Mm. Beth, and just that 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 image right before the credits roll of Beth going to the it's Jerry's oh, on the phone. The white? Jerry's on the phone. He's like, yeah, my wife has shot. My wife shot wife my wife shot a long term family friend and Beth just rushes She's to just the kitchen. Shaking, shaking the wine. That that image mm. that one being the last one before they go to the credits is really, really crazy. That gift comes up a lot. Yeah. I see it on Twitter a lot with people just like <laughs> really upset about Makes something. Makes sense with the, the current climate. Yeah, uh, exactly. That's exactly <laughs> it. But I it's moments like those, yeah, we see obviously Beth shaking, pouring wine, but also her drunk that I wish we had a better sense of Beth. I wish we knew more about her. Yeah. That isn't purely the fact that she hates Jerry. Do you mean uh, uh, here's a question that's a mm. little bit it's uh I am okay. Oh. Okay. Um do you mean in general as we are right now? Do you even think into season 3 we're having that problem with Beth? I'm going to have to have a like rewatch of season 3. But generally but that's at how this you feel? moment right now? Yes. Cool. I look forward to watching the next episode with you. Okay. Oh, um, that's so exciting. It's called the ABCs of Beth. So I knew <gasps> I knew beforehand that it was. Um, I saw the title. Was like, yes, I I want a Beth episode. Yeah. Oh, that's so exciting. Okay. Great. Uh, so we'll we'll watch that after this because okay. that's a. Uh, oh, I'm really excited now. Yeah. Yay. It's it's. Um, I think your wish is. I'm not saying how successful, <laughs> but there there's a lot of. I think you kind of already did, but there's yeah. <laughs> a lot of attention paid towards Beth in that episode, which right. is good. Yes, much needed. I think uh, without Jerry, which is important too. Mm-hmm. Um, because yeah, as much as that relationship has been really interesting, and there's actually, you know, I think there's a big reason for that too, which I'll talk about at the end as well about okay. how thing. Well, it'll be easy to talk about in season three, but there's a, there's yep. something going on there. Anyway, we'll keep moving. Is there anything else particular? I've got mainly just little notes about this episode now because it isn't all that in depth. It's just mm. a really fun concept. The I just think they must have had so much fun in the writers' room pitching these different characters. Hammerai and uh, Amish Cyborg and I just love the image of like what's her name like Mrs. Refrigerator or whatever Mrs. like trying to run away trying to break through the glass <laughs> oh my god the kitchen is up it always makes me laugh Mrs. Refrigerator is great <laughs> I love wow She's just got such an expressive face, big expressive face on her. It's so horrific but also she's a, a refrigerator Yeah Mrs. Refrigerator I love. Oh, it's great! It's great to know. So I'll just quickly run through some of these notes. Pencil Vesta, yeah. Pencil Vesta was one of them. I love that Rick can't kill Pencil Vesta. Has to give it to Morty today. I was on the wrong side of the pitchfork on this one from (laughs) Frankenstein. Frankenstein. Or Frankenstein monster. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's one of the ones I had as well. It's like Mm -hmm. a secret to tell you about Frankenstein. He's really Frankenstein monster. (laughs) Um, Jerry and Sleepy Gary talked about. Uh, Ghost in a Jar is probably my favourite character. Yeah? It's like, and when when Rick has the uh, the joke about, uh, what was it? I can't remember what it was. And then he's like, does that does that scan? And the ghost is, yeah, I get it. It's a play on. Oh, because uh, the butler. Did yeah, it? I did the yeah. butler. Yeah, yeah, I did the butler, yeah, yeah. which I didn't get until. Ghost in the, the Jar the helped explain it. it to me. I was like, oh, thanks, Ghost. Yeah. Thanks, Ghost in the Jar. You're really good at getting obscure comedy. <laughs> <laughs> You're always really good. Um, this is the, another example of where Rick was seemed to be totally comfortable with the idea of dying. Where Morty's holding the gun to his head. And, and he's like, just do it. Just do it. Just kill me. And it's yeah. Rick. And Rick's just insulting, talking about Morty and mm. how he's a pain in his ass or whatever. And that's the moment where Morty figures out that the only way to tell who they are which was totally coincidence. Like Rick's like, oh yeah, that's exactly what I meant. But obviously mm. he was talking bullshit. Do you think obviously like the Rick we know is obviously kind of a lone wolf, obviously. But do you think that's his 
desire to die is also one of the reasons why he refused to join the Council of Ricks because that's kind of like banding together in order to survive. If he doesn't really yeah, have mean, a huge it's investment in that, it's if he's possible. like happy to go when he's when it's going to happen, it's possible. I think I, I I think it's probably more in the text that he just hate he really does hate the governance. Yeah. He love he hates other people telling him how to mm. think and what to do. Yeah. He really yeah a rebel. And you talk about the way. Uh, we get to the last episode of the season. He talks about like him and Bird Person and Squanch, mm. Squanchy, Squanchy, uh, and they're like, so you know, sad when their day takes was off his the BFF thing. Yeah, <laughs> their their day was on Blood Gulch Ridge or whatever it was. I can't remember what it was called. Mm. And it was like for him, that's really important. That fight against that that's where. And so to see him become mm. the thing that he hates, I can see why he yeah would reject it outright. But yeah, I also wonder if while he once had those like staunch ideals of fighting against that, fighting against governance, fighting against control, whether or not as the years have passed and he's become the Rick that we know, because mm. clearly in the photos we see of him and Bird Person, he's lost that zest for life. Like we see him in a band, we see him like holding yeah. like Morty and stuff. He's somewhere along that lost that yeah. kind of, um, I guess, passion or drive for active rebellion, I guess. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's it's hard to know. It's the ongoing question of what separates he talks about being the rickest Rick, mm. right? But that's a pretty unsophisticated way of just saying he's different. Yeah. The question is why is he different to so many other Ricks? Why why did they see oh more Ricks are better than one and mm. he doesn't like that idea? Why yeah. what was what there a moment? Was there yeah. something that has happened differently to him? Which Beth even kind of references here. He's like, mm, even his vague backstory, which I hope we kind of delve in as we go along. Yeah. Yeah. And he, I think there's a line where he says, I have enough time to go into my backstory about this moment. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I've forgotten where I was up to. Frankenstein's monster ghost in the jar I talked about. Ricky's happy to die. Uh, memory of Beth is awful from Summer. Mm. Uh, the ironic twist that the real people are the ones. Yep, I, that was everything. I've gone through all my notes. That Lovely. was a total waste of airspace. Sorry, everyone. We'll move on. <laughs> Episode five, Get Swifty. Swifty. Um, so in this one, a giant head shows up uh, demanding to show me, show why me you got. what you got. Earth is required to come up with a catchy song. Mm-hmm. Every, all the... Best musicians are dead. Uh, Rick and Morty. It's a Morty. real shame they had the Grammys on that day. Oh, That's very, a real very shame. unfortunate. Mm. Uh, Rick and Morty submit a song, Get Swifty. Get Swifty. Which pleases the big head. They get pulled into an intergalactic <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, reality TV show. And then, yeah, mm-hmm. it goes from there. Um, I'll be 100% honest. Not my favourite episode, Get Swifty. Yeah, no, me either. I don't think it's all that great. No, I think I it's... <laughs> Core concept is kind of. I enjoy dull. the song "Get Swifty." I enjoy the song. Get However, Swifty. the episode is and raise your posterior. I like raise your posterior as well. Raise your posterior. <laughs> also good, a classic. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's the idea of this kind of intergalactic music reality show is fine, but it's not really saying or doing anything yeah, yeah. that's like, oh, this is really cool. Um, the ice tea thing. I kind of really, really don't like. Yeah, that to me seems like a bit of an in-joke. Right, because it felt like something Dan- I'd see on South Park or something. I was like, this doesn't feel right. What's going I on? Think, uh, Harmon, uh, right. uh, I think Dan Harmon does his iced tea impression sometimes. Right. I think it's a thing that He really maybe, likes iced tea? Is that what's uh, going on? No, I think they just find it funny. I think it's... Right. I, I, like, there's plenty of Dan Har- of Harmon Town episodes where he does his iced tea impression. Right. Um, and... 
I think they just find like they must have found the idea of like the that he was really water tea. He got frozen by like it's a. It, I think it's a funny, silly concept, but I don't think it's worthy of an episode. The only bit I like about it is like there is that reflection of Rick in Ice Tea that he really doesn't care. He got you kicked out. You can't go through of, space not caring forever. Yeah, and then that's like I care now. You made me, me care. care. I, but the, the. But I also didn't. But like it lacks that, that sophistication because. The idea that Rick makes people care just by saying like a that was the hard bit, right? Was like eh, it doesn't really work for me. It comes out. It's not well written into the episode. It doesn't mm. come out naturally out of what's occurring. It's just like Ice T's there. They have a conversation. They allude to Ice T being like Rick. He says something, and Ice T saves the day. But it it just doesn't really come out of the story it sort mm. of is speechified in a way and that's not necessarily great writing i don't think um yeah so that that goes on then you got morty who leaves for a while and sort of goes and he gets saved by bird person and then it almost feels a bit like the problem you have with something like um the avengers 2 where they try to fit in other age things of age of ultron yeah. yeah and they're trying to like fit in like their their Thor is having a prophecy about something that has nothing to do with this movie. It's on later. Mm. And this whole thing with Morty seems to me to really be an excuse to get him to a place where we saw that stuff on the wall, mm. which didn't... It, like, the bit where he goes, wait, what's that picture? And it looks like it's Rick with Morty. He's wearing the same colour top, but the Morty looks a bit wrong. He doesn't have the same head shape, which it seems could be weird. be any Morty, yeah. We don't know what... It, it's laying, I think, a seed for something that mm-hmm. will eventually come to yeah. fruition but it seemed like a detour that it wasn't worth it because it didn't it just got in the way of telling another story i think the stuff that happens with summer beth and jerry is more interesting but still not my favorite because it's hard i for hate me. the resolution of it, it yeah once again it felt like a weirdly different show when yeah. beth and jerry are like oh like we we want our daughter not this version of our daughter and then the cutaway to them being the balloons. I was just like, oh, uh, I don't I mind don't, that. Don't, that seems pretty in line. I, it no, it felt just way too obvious. Like I wasn't. I, I the think story. Like I knew all the notes of that story. You knew the beats. Yeah, right? the beats. Yeah, yeah. And I I agree. I think that's my problem. Is that mm. it, I, maybe this is because I'm someone who's thought far too much about religion as, and its absurdity to really find and not particularly sophisticated criticism of religion to be that interesting. Mm. Maybe other people found it more interesting. I was like, yeah, I'm kind of, I'm ahead of you on this show. I don't think it is though. I don't think anyone could find it a particularly sophisticated or interesting critique of religion. Some people, I don't know. Yeah, I agree. You're probably right. I kind of like the bits. I find it quite disturbing, the bits with Summer. Like the bit where she goes like, gets really upset that she called Jerry silly. Mm. And like that way she like starts praying and then moves her way upstairs and she does she looks like uh, really genuinely upset mm. and affected by the whole thing and i i think that's there's something to that they didn't like it, while it's funny they go they make sure it actually does look bad like it's not just a joke it's, i think it also is a little upsetting to see her acting that way i, I don't like it it, it reflects yeah. my feelings on yeah. religion I particularly just, with children yeah. i wish it became like, it happens so suddenly. Like, all of a sudden, Summer's personality yeah. changed so rapidly that, well, yeah, it is disturbing to see her so distraught over something that doesn't matter and she shouldn't be, like, beating herself up over. It's just kind of like, well, where did this come from? It especially seems... I think the other part that makes it difficult is that Summer and Beth and Jerry have all been on intergalactic, interdimensional adventures with Rick at this stage. Mm. And it's like, 
would you really be turning to religion here? Your grandfather exerts more power. Do we think they're gods or are they just other aliens? Yeah. Your your grandfather is not around. Maybe you mm. need to talk to Rick about this who knows this stuff and actually yeah. – I don't think there's – Yeah, I wonder where Rick and Morty are. Yeah. Well, maybe you should think on that a little harder. Yeah, yeah. exactly right. It just seems a little – and even the start of this, like, yep, let's go to the Pentagon. I don't know, the government being involved. The, it just feels like a C episode. It might even mm. be up to this point without spoiling what's coming ahead – Probably my least favorite episode of the entire season up to this point. I mm-hmm. think fi- I was looking back and trying to figure out my score for this entire season. And the first season, I went back through that list and went, I like all of those episodes quite a lot. I chose the pile as my least favorite episode. It's still a good episode of Rick and Morty. And this is about as close to a bad episode as it gets, I think. Mm. Except for one more, maybe, in this season that I don't like. We'll get I there. think I might know which one you're talking yeah, about. You probably yeah. do. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I've got much else to say about this. The I know I don't. Yeah, cool. <laughs> imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Um. Oh, uh, Marty's singing voice sounds a lot like Mr. Poopy Butthole. But uh, yeah, it didn't really. First of all, you said Marty, which was weird. I mean Morty. Um, I, it's be- I, it's because the stupid notes uh, thing keeps autocorrecting it. Right. Bastard. Um. But yeah, no, it doesn't really sound like Morty very no. much at all. No. Mm. Oh yeah. Episode six: The Ricks must be crazy. Rick and Morty attempt to fix his microverse battery. Summer is left in Rick's car, which has been instructed to keep her safe. <laughs> I love both stories in this episode. <laughs> uh, Summer's storyline is just, God, it gets me. It gets me good. Gets you good in the laugh, in the funny bone? In the funny bone, but just the absolute horror yes. of it. Yeah, it is horrific. Like when, which is what makes it so funny because it's like, Fuck yeah! If you saw that, you'd, it'd be the worst thing you've ever seen. But particularly when, like, the psychological warfare in which the, the ship, the ghost rec- babies, recreates the drowned son of one of the officers, and then like melts him in front of the dad. Life can be given. Life can be taken away. Is <laughs> just so so awful and such a fucked up idea that it it just it tickles my funny bone and uh, I love it. It, it it's a really funny joke to play on like obviously killing someone is really bad but then like the enti- the rest of this was almost like a challenge like yeah. okay well you can't kill so can't then kill. what do you do what can you do that's worse than that and so yeah. the next one is like just instant completely 
just cold paralysis of mm-hmm. a man. Yeah. Just straight away cannot <laughs> use his legs anymore. And like how horrific that is. Then followed up by yeah. ghost babies bringing back someone's drowned child to psychologically torment them. Until eventually, eventually the resolution left to the thing is just to bring world peace. It's extremely funny. Like what we were talking about when we were talking about season one is their exploration of every idea to the nth degree. Yeah. You just follow that path, which they do wonderfully when it comes to the summer storyline. I don't think there's much more depth to that. No, I I enjoy the dry dry wit of the computer. That's you. That's how you sound. sound. (laughs) That's what you sound like. Like whatever. (laughs) So much like GLaDOS from uh, Portal. I think I read that somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's very similar. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Not necessarily the voice actress, but that line about Mm. that's you. There's literally a line where she says to Chell in Portal, that's you. That's how dumb you sound. And it's like identical almost. Um, uh, Yeah. No, but it's great though. I love love, like pathologically funny robots. (laughs) (laughs) Android. Funny androids are like my bread and butter for some reason. Don't don't like Marvin from, is it Marvin the... From uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh, the oh played, he's depressed. By, played by Alec Rickman. Yeah, yeah. the depressed android. Anyway. Yeah, the android or the are they called ro- robots? No, I can't remember. The no, what from um the Star Wars? He was my favorite character. In oh, that one. um, yeah, the one by from far because the rest weren't even weren't real were people <laughs> were from Rogue One. Alan Tudyk's. Um, speaking of Alan Tudyk, is in this episode too. Um, Let's see. Uh, he plays the president of the microverse. It's like, oh, you're back. Oh. I just finished cooking a feast. <laughs> yeah. Oh, bad tour. Um, yeah. So so the other episode, the other storyline, the more substantial storyline mm. in this is that Rick and Morty go inside his microverse battery. Rick has created a mini universe where mm. the people, he gave them the gift of electricity, but really 80% of the power they make is going towards making his car run, <laughs> which is just so Rick, Yeah. first and foremost. And there is so much to explore in this episode. Because that alone would be morally interesting. But then to have him find out the reason the battery isn't working is that another life form inside this universe that he created has found, has decided to exploit the same problem, concept, Mm -hmm. to power their universe. Uh, And his completely, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, Hyper, no, uh, yeah, anyway. That he hypothesis? Could, not no, hypothesis. What are you after? But when someone um, thinks one thing about themselves but doesn't apply. Hypocritical. Thank you. The hypocritical nature of the criticism he gives to that guy and mm. the, just the beautiful reflection of Rick creating someone just like him that isn't him mm-hmm. um, who he should believe should be subservient to him, which is exactly the, his problem is always like he doesn't want to he, he doesn't want to be servant to anybody mm-hmm. but himself. Ah, oh, there's it is almost too much to dive into. It's so yeah, dense. And I, I also love that in order to discourage this other version of himself from not doing it is to then go further go into the universe and be like, Exploit see, there's going to be some asshole that's going to undermine you, and then it's going to all be fucked. Explain, so, he, ex- exploit his own hypocritical nature. Yeah. by by recognizing it will be in this person as well. Mm-hmm. Hilarious. Yeah, very very good. And then very sadly funny. that um. That scientist kills himself, which the is... The second one, yeah. He's yeah, like, that's sad. I didn't make time to go to my father's funeral, which is just devastating. Yeah. To realise your own existence 
is just power a universe in another universe to power someone's car. Yeah. Yeah, that's um that's going to fuck you up. That's going to real fuck you up. We were talking uh it would God be a Rick? Mm. Uh well, you know. Well, he is. He's, maybe. he's God to some some beings. Possibly. So, yeah. I mean, he is. Someone is who that- yeah, could could create a universe. Yeah, that sounds yeah. quite possible I mean, after this. God is the creator, so um, so Alan Tudyk plays that character, and then Stephen Colbert is playing. Yes, uh, very, very obvious. <laughs> obviously, a, Stephen Colbert. A really good Stephen Colbert performance, though. I love him in that. Oh, he's great. Role. He is mm-hmm. excellent. Uh, I really like this episode. I think all elements of this work. It's not the deepest emotionally, but it is still a good exploration of Rick. Uh, having Rick, it's always interesting when you get to play against your like the character's forced to play against someone just like them. Mm-hmm. And he's not a darker version of Rick. He's just He's just Rick. He's just Rick but yeah. not. Um and having those two butt heads like that is just and just Morty's just like rolling his eyes. They like beat each other up in the rain and it's just... I love their like mech wooden mecha suits yes, as yes. they're fighting. Rick's mm. really into snakes coming out of legs. <laughs> he is, he does it two noticed. episodes in a row. <laughs> yes. It's a whole thing about snakes. Oh, that's very funny. Very mm. um, I think that's about all I had for that one. What about, what about you? Yeah, I didn't take many notes for that one. It's, I think that's also one that I've watched a lot. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, episode seven, Big Trouble in Little Sanchez. Rick mm. turns into a teenage version of himself to help Summer to take down vampires at her high school while Beth and Jerry go to intergalactic couples therapy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll let you lead the charge on this one, Damask. What do you think about this? First of all, it's got one of those. There's usually like a line or two in every season that makes me go, "Oh shit!" Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's I think in that opening scene when Jerry and Beth are fighting, yeah, and Rick's saying, "Oh, just get divorced or what? Fix your marriage." And they talk. They say that they've been to couples therapy before, and he's like, "That's just like asking a horse a horse to fix a merry-go-round. He'll try his." Best, but mostly he's just gonna get horrified. I'm yeah. like, oh fuck, that's true. Because yeah. like, obviously, a therapist is not some omnipotent being that can help you completely outside of humanity. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, that would be horrific. Oh god, human relationships suck. It's a brilliant. It's a brilliant like justification. <laughs> it's for, so messy. Yeah. yeah, for like Rick being right about that, which is always he's good at is justifying his position. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, what do you think of? Uh, which do you think is the A plot, and which do you think is the B plot in this? Because I would argue the Beth and Jerry is the A plot. Well, in my notes, I wrote, I think this is the, because I consider always for the plot that isn't about Rick and Morty to be the B, B plot. B plot, more often than not it is. So, I was like, in my notes, I was like, this is the first time I have really, truly loved the B plot way more than the A plot. Sure. Yeah. Which um well, the A plot if you if you were going to say that the Rick and Morty stuff, Tiny Rick, Tiny Rick is mm. the A plot. It's not all that deep. It's, no, it's not. At it all. comes down to Rick does what Summer asks him um, and gets as a teenager he's suppressing sort of the 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 what's the word I'm looking for like old Rick into his subconscious. Mm-hmm. It comes out that he really is unhappy and wants to be back in his older body whenever he's doing basically whenever he's doing art, whether he's singing or dancing or drawing. drawing yeah. It comes out of his subconscious there. Very emo teenage thing to do. Summer recognises this. Eventually, Morty does too, and then it's a fight to get him back into his real original body. Mm-hmm. It's not that deep. It's not that deep, no. It's not that deep. It's. I guess it's interesting to talk about like why Rick might want to stay young or what and why 
a trapped older conscious of Rick might want might find that actually awful. Mm-hmm. You want to lash out, and, yep. but it, it doesn't get there. Not nearly as far as the Beth and Jerry stuff is so fucking fascinating and fun. Mm-hmm. They're uh, just the. I just love one the concept of you take the way a couple views each other yep. and then you put them in a room and watch how they interact. And then in doing that, you see that the way you see the other person isn't real. They're yeah. not a real thing. Yeah. And just that reminder is like a necessary first step in seeing the other person as a fully formed human being or sure. being An actual force. person, yeah. yeah. Um, but then the the hilarious twist in this whole concept that they're – Relationship is so dysfunctional yeah. that they actually destroy the whole complex. Essentially, <laughs> is fucking hilarious. It is just of, so of funny. Of course, of course, that's what would happen. Um, and of course, we have Beth, who is the most powerful, most wonderful, most evil being in in Jerry's mind, and then yeah. she wants an army of Jerry's to whimper and follow and do her bidding. I, I think it's just it's such a great idea and it's so funny and it's really dark to think that while that's how they see each other and yet at the end of it they're still together. Well, they still ride off into the sunset together. There, there's a couple of things I think that the the show's trying to do. One is one of my favorite moments in terms thematically for me mm. is the bit where once. Jim Rash's character has left. Go, go, go. They're not <laughs> therapists. Um, the Jim Rash, the uh, dean from Community, by the way, love his performance it's too. The, when he leaves and they're trying to figure out what to do, Jerry finds a hard, hiding spot. And, and Beth has that wonderful little speech. Right. And that's great. And mm-hmm. it's like maybe we have a chance of surviving if we actually But not leave. together. But not together. Yeah. But then what happens immediately after they separate, they fall victim to... These versions of themselves, their own worst, yeah, which I love. Impulses. It's so it's never said outright, but it's say it is mm-hmm. presented so clearly to yeah. me that there is while they maybe can't be themselves, maybe being themselves isn't always the best thing. Maybe yes. there is some positive to them being and together. I, and I think we saw that in season one as well with the interdimensional um, cable, or whatever, where we see the alternate realities mm. in which. While they they have not been together, they still continue, they indulge their worst impulses, the worst sides of their character. Yeah, um, which is really interesting because if you, well, I think the th- the thing here is, well, yes, being together is toxic and awful, and but just separating, simply just separating and mm. thinking that's going to be enough to make you a whole complete person is not what it is. What is you need to separate in order to grow. Yeah. Because while we have like, you know, adult Rick stuck in tiny Rick's body, we also have these two adults who have been in a relationship since they were 17, have not allowed either of like them to grow, to mm. flourish. They've been stifling each other while their world, their marriage c- crumbles around them. Um, and no one's really actually kind of addressing it, mm. which is the problem. And so the solution to this whole problem, once the alien queen version of Beth is making <laughs> a army of Jerry's, mm. is Jerry stands up, sort of becomes a protector, takes charge, yes. and Beth's 
in image of him changes yeah. and he starts to be firstly just is yeah. Jerry for a bit and then it becomes like this super masculine muscular <laughs> version of Jerry yeah. and I love the bit where he gets all braggy and, and then, so it's just like hey I'm Jerry I'm the best hey yeah, how are you I'm Jerry I love yeah. that I think it's really funny yeah. um, but then when they can't lift the thing off Beth mm. he, he puts the the helmet on one of the versions good versions of Jerry that Beth created mm. and that version that it is thinking of Beth is this goddess. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. And what that says about Beth that that she would think the best version of Jerry is one that worships her. Yes. Fucking hell. Yeah. So it's like I don't know where to begin to be that good uh, that smarter writer. To even want to express that idea, but then mm. to figure out how to do it inside your yeah. narrative. Well, I, I, so clever. I love that because obviously Jerry does worship Beth yes. in a lot of ways, but because she views him as so pathetic, mm-hmm. that is disgusting to her. Because she and I, I read something last week, or I, yeah, I said something last week where. It was the AMA that Dan Harmon did about how Beth loves her dad so much because she sees that he knew that she wasn't worth staying around for. Yeah. So her ideal version of Jerry is this perfect masculine figure Mm -hmm. that is faultless that also thinks that she is worth something, that she is a god. So she can't be liked by someone pathetic. She needs someone who's as strong and bold as she as she sees her or and as smart as she sees her father that also s- validates her that sees her being worth something which is interesting yeah it's just fu- the, the relationship is so fucking twisted and then the end the ultimate thing is they do stay together and what's mm. interesting little moment when they say yes let's stay together at least until morty is old enough to leave high school <laughs> which i don't want to spoil what's coming up but I feel like maybe someone will align this idea. Maybe that was meant to be the case. They were happy to just say, we'll keep exploring their relationship, but it'll probably not change too much. Mm. It's interesting that but it's a I bit also, different by season three. also think we'll that's there. probably whether couples say it out loud. Oh, of course. Or yeah, yeah, that, yeah. I think that, like that's just something that people say it's or It's not do. owed, but it, it yeah. did... feel like It could have very easily just been, we're just going to yeah. stay with the status I, quo. Yeah, I think when, you know people are in unhappy relationships when something good happens that's when you're like oh no i i can wait this out even if it's for like a few more years of course this isn't so bad but obviously when shit's really bad it's like fuck can't wait to get out of here yeah before we move on to episode eight um just i love the morty extended quote to to summer about getting your shit together get your shit in together, a bag put it into a bag take it to a store mm. take it to a museum i don't care just get it together get your shit together mm. Uh, okay, let's keep going then. Episode 8, Interdimensional Cable 2, Tempting Fate. Jerry is f- uh, faced with a difficult decision of losing his manhood in order to save an alien leader from imminent death. Meanwhile, Rick, Morty and Summer explore the possibilities of interdimensional television. I dislike this episode. <laughs> I'm just going to say it straight out. <laughs> I knew out. this was going to be the other one. It's not. Yeah. I, I, think it's, I think it's pretty bad, actually, in a lot of ways. I really, really don't like it. It's, mm-hmm. It just doesn't. It fails everywhere that the first interdimensional thing succeeded, I think. I think the Jerry stuff is a really obvious Jerry, not very particularly interesting storyline. It's just a bunch of penis jokes, basically. Mm-hmm. And then... I do love the... um, What's the... Werner Herzog, is that his name? Yeah. 
the where he's just talking about um, humanity and penis jokes yes. and stuff in that very slow kind of dramatic. That made me that's laugh. That's very quite funny. A lot. Yeah. That that is. Pardon me. That's it's not to say this is without com- mm. completely without humor. Yeah. And let's be honest, Jerry always makes me laugh. So. Yeah, and that, yeah. that is a very funny sequence he's talking about. Yeah, I've seen numerous times where someone will hold a pen. It never failed to get a laugh. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Always does it uh, Look, no. I am such and such penis. I have such and such for a penis. <laughs> I am Mr. Penis. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the interdimensional, <laughs> it, it worked really well in the first one. Mm-hmm. I think partly because it was a surprise. Yeah, and then you then what rewatching it, you have a lot of affection for that first time, mm. right? My problem is, I think this time around, a none of them are particularly funny. There are little moments here and there that are okay, but I think I have a theory about why they're not as funny. Okay, one, it's no surprise. Mm-hmm. So this when it comes around, it's like, oh yeah, we're doing this again. But number two is improv. Improv comes out of like just trying things about things against the wall and just having fun, right? Mm-hmm. The second time you try and do this gimmick, you cannot forget that you did stuff the first time, what people liked, what people didn't like, mm-hmm. the response to that and tr- and knowing that it was very popular, trying to one-up yourself. And I think that informs everything they're trying to do and it just, it just feels like they didn't have the heart or the passion or the fun in it they did the first time around. Yeah, I mean, it's called Interdimensional Cable 2 Tempting, tempting Fate. fate. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, they knew I, that. I appreciate that they're like, look, we, we know, we know. Um, but, you know, they want to give the people what they want, yeah. so I understand that as well. We've had this problem with paintball. People keep wanting to get paintball episodes yeah. in community, and yeah. it's like, maybe we mm. should just stop with paintball. Maybe just appreciate what we have and re-watch that episode if yeah. you love it so much. Um, Dungeons and Dragons is the second one of those as well, which was never as funny as the first one. The first one was so good, though. The, the first one is one of the best episodes of television ever written. Agreed. Is Absolutely agreed. So perfect. I have never felt so much anger. Yeah. In in a good way, Ang- but anger in a comedy show. Yeah. Ever, ever like oh my, that is such a great episode of television. It is, per- but oh basically a perfect twenty-two minutes of television, I think. Yes. Anyway, that's beside we'll get to community the, beside one day. the point. Um. Yeah, so I I understand what they were doing. They acknowledged what they're doing. Mm-hmm. As f- me personally, as a viewer, yeah, I agree. It wasn't as funny and it felt like, I mean, the first one was so off the wall. Yeah. And so like, holy shit, what are they doing? Answer yeah. my eyes, Johnson. What the fuck? Yeah. Like, it was just great. Um, the second one, it felt... What's the word I'm looking for? Contrite? That's not the right word, is it? Maybe. Contrite, maybe. And even or like, trite. Yeah, and even the like the laughs and stuff, I was like, keeping the laughs. It, like I just like I've seen this before. And but the first time it was fresh because I the, hadn't seen it before. Yeah, the first time was fresh because it was it was to- wholly original mm. and I mean Yeah. Unless you're, you're doing like, to recru- the classic rule of three in a thing, simply repeating a joke d- isn't it makes it less funny in my mind. Yeah. And I think most people agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wasn't a huge fan of it. Um, I, I actually didn't mind the Jerry stuff. Um, Just I was fine. It's But it would be fine in a, as a B plot to a good A plot. But yeah. this doesn't have a good A plot. Mm-hmm. Um, so it ends up having to be the thrust of it. Unlike the first Interdimensional Cable, which has, I think, a very good B plot mm-hmm. with... Jerry and Beth and seeing their other lives. Well, I think it's just had something to it. What makes 
It was a good the balance. The first one, incredible, is that we have this really frivolous, crazy stuff that's happening where, with Rick and Morty watching TV, mm. which is like just a bit of fun and we're all having fun, right? And we are. And then at the end, we have that moment yes. with Morty and Summer that's just really fucked up. Totally, yeah. And, but poignant and beautiful. And like, oh my, and I think hits a lot of the audience. Like, yes. yeah, that's true. And, the, you know, no one belongs, but... That's not the point. Um, so to have those two things in juxtaposition makes them both better. But with this, we don't really have that. Well, the, the, I mean, the joke of the, of the first one in a lot of ways is just that, you know, TV and making fun of – just making fun of TV as a concept in a way. Like just sitting around and watching a bunch of moving pictures and sounds mm. that – have very might not have a lot of meaning to them, but we still find joy in. And then that moment with Rick and with Morty and Summer mm. kind of gave a little bit of like it gave made it a little bit worthy in some way. Talking about just come watch TV and yeah. like the simple pleasure of just like enjoying each other's is, company. This is what it is, and it doesn't have to have a higher meaning. You can just be here and do it. And if you're having fun, you're having fun. Right. So just enjoy that. And so yeah. the second time you come and do this, though, it has by doing it again by repeating it. There's some implicit expectation and meaning to it. Yeah. That it it never justifies its existence, I mm-hmm. think is the problem. Yeah. This second ver- this second time around. Um Yeah, I don't know. It's really hard to pinpoint. I also think that for whatever reason, I think I uh, I think what happened is they even knew that their little improv skits weren't as funny. And they often try and make the joke in the animation. Mm-hmm. They try and make the joke happen visually. Yeah. But it doesn't feel organic because it felt like it was put on top. Like, it wasn't funny enough, so let's make it happen. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, things like Octopus Man with a knife. And it's yeah. like, Octopus Man wasn't working. It's not funny. Mm. It's just it's just one more time Justin Roiland going, I'm a crazy person. Look at me. Yeah. Which made, like, when Summer's like, oh, like, does it all have to end in, like, stupid violence? violence? And then Rick, I'm sorry, Morty goes on that. Rand and I was actually like, no, I'm on Summer's like side here because it, like it's not the fact that it's violent. It's like, well, that like that's not much of a joke. Yes, yeah, is the issue. Yeah, totally. Well, I can stab people. Isn't that funny? Well, no, not like not by itself. No, that's not funny. Yeah, I just I just can't get behind this episode. Now shooting like Mrs. Refrigerator, hilarious because she's a refrigerator and she's <laughs> pleading for her life. That's just it funny. Is obviously, the yeah. funniest thing ever to Damask. <laughs> It's it's close. It's close. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I don't like that episode at all. Yeah. Uh. So when I talk about similar highs but lower lows, the, the two episodes I mentioned so far, mm. Get Swifty, which mm-hmm. is serviceable, and this one are my yeah. two like show. Sorry, I dropped my. Phone. <laughs> the show had some. The, it's the lowest ever it's, got, it's ever gotten to an episode. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, episode nine. Look who's purging now. Rick and Morty <laughs> get stranded on a purge planet. Mm-hmm. That's oh, the, it's a purge planet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's the main uh, crux of the episode. Mm. Um, so you had some thoughts on this episode already. You were talking about sort yeah, of this starts the with black and white morality. Morality and the way Morty kind of sees himself, sees the universe, and therefore sees, I guess. Rick as less than in that mm-hmm. way. Like morally, just like Morty sees himself as superior. Um, and yeah, I think throughout the season, seasons, plural, uh, we see Morty try so hard to live by a moral code, you know, something that's black and white, despite evidence that this usually ends badly and that life is far too complicated for that black and white moralizing. 
uh, but he, like forcing the universe and yourself into those constraints, like it, it it builds up, and eventually you end up pushing a shitty screenwriter down the stairs because <laughs> one, no one can live to such strict standards. Yeah. So. Every time one seeing someone like Rick just do whatever the fuck he wants is really frustrating. Yeah. And two, you're always going to fail. And so when you do fail, it feels like it's the worst thing in the world. Yeah. And obviously in the show, we actually see Morty do the worst thing in the world as, a part, as opposed to just feeling that way. Yeah. In which one, he kills the shitty screenwriter and then, he, he, just, and then he just goes on a like maniacal rampage, mm. just murdering some dudes, uh, which is fun to watch. Yes. But, and cathartic for both us and Morty, I think. It, it's funny just talking about that line that Summer had about, like, does it always have to end in violence mm. sort of thing. It, that, that this episode comes immediately afterwards yeah. and is just full of violence. <laughs> full violence, As yeah. Absolutely commenting on that sort of thing. Um, yeah, I, I, I think it's a pretty good episode. I don't think it's a stellar episode. I think its morality is pretty, like, pretty straightforward. Yeah. It's more fun just them navigating the... Purge planet more than anything for me is the bit I enjoy about it. I do like the the little the sides that seem like they're going nowhere for a while with Summer and Jerry, mm. which they do get injected into the storyline for a second when um, Rick has uh, Summer send the suits yeah. to them on the Purge planet, but then ultimately is just ends with the whole thing is about Jerry wanting money. <laughs> Um, oh, and that stupid, the saddest thing about like Taddy. Taddy, <laughs> I love that bit where he's like, "Is that Taddy? <laughs> it's is that so funny?" So who the hell is Taddy, Jerry? Who's this person? That <laughs> no one knows who Taddy is. <laughs> I do like that scene. And right. then the That's payoff at the end when you see, yeah, get a job, Jerry. Taddy, yeah. Um, I, I, I also gotta say, I, I actually, someone knows. Um, Rick burps heaps less now. Like that mm. element of his character quote-unquote, from early stuff. just doesn't happen as much anymore. I, I wonder don't, if that's care less. Ti- because of timing-wise, because of how they would have to record in order to do that, which means they would cr- record all those burping bits separately in which Justin Roiland would, he would like skull a whole bunch of light beer oh, sure, yeah, yeah. and then have to like record all those sessions once and just like, Time is so he would wait until the burp's coming and then he would oh, say, Oh, okay, it. sure. So maybe it's a timing thing. I think he maybe just realized that it wasn't that funny a joke anymore. Yeah, like right. it was early on when there wasn't as much depth to the show, mm. it was just a, yeah, now it was it just a funny ripple. And now it's just kind of like, We don't need to hang our hat on that anymore. Let's move past it, please. Yeah. Um, it, it, no, I don't think anyone cares anyway. I don't think anyone's <laughs> even fuck noticed. Who's Taddy Mason? Sorry, I was just reading. Um, the bit you're talking about where Morty pushes the screenplay writer down the stairs, yeah, fuck, that makes me laugh though. <laughs> and I totally agree with his uh, cutting to three weeks early. It's like, I think stories should start where they begin, yeah. not uh, where they get interesting, which we've talked about on the mm-hmm. podcast before. We have. Um, I really think it's funny. And I also like the bit where Morty asks uh, Arthurisha, Arthurisha, uh, and he she tries to lay him down easily. He's oh, I, uh, I can. Yeah. I have a boyfriend. It's like, okay, I got it. It's like, yeah. You don't, oh, you don't have to keep repeating. I got it the first time. Yeah, yeah, I got it the first time. And you're still doing it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I think my favourite line in this episode was, yeah, after Morty has just killed the screenwriter. And he's like, you like that? You want me to cut to three weeks early when you were alive? Yes, that's a great line. <laughs> so good. I do love that And well. it's so callous. Yes. It's so fucked up. Okay, another thing they talk that happens in this episode right at the very end is, we've talked about this show being quite meta at times. Mm-hmm. Is there ever a point where it just becomes lazy writing to outright say, 
what they're alluding to. Some Most of the time they undercut it, but not always. What do you mean? So there, it happens a lot. And actually just in episode nine and 10, I started to like, wow, there's so many times when the writing, someone explicitly says something that calls out that this is a TV show or it's scripted or that they understand the structure. I actually have a, a question about that. Yeah. Or not a question. So you mean when like Rick is like talking to camera? Is that what you mean? There's those, but there's things like, so uh, here, uh, how's I've written it down? In the, is the fourth wall breaking ever ra- lazy writing? The Where's Waldo frame. So that there's that one that happens where he mm-hmm. goes, whoa, it's like a Where's Waldo picture, right? Yeah. The candy bar from the first act is literally a line that Rick says in that end of the episode. He's talking about the perjurol mm. that's in the bars and we find that it wasn't in the bars. So it wasn't like Rick was under any sort of influence. But he Morty, just- yep. The Morty, sorry. But then Rick outright just says, talks about a story convention of basically showing Chekhov's gun where- you, a gun you show in the first act is going to be fired in the, in the third. In this, he goes, the candy bar we showed in the first act mm-hmm. means he is outright saying to you that this is a story. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, it's constructed in a particular way. Then you've got uh, the bit where in episode eight, where they, uh, one of the episodes, I can't remember which one it is actually, they turn, no, episode 10. It's coming up still. They've been looking, watching the news about Earth and how Earth's been taken over by the Federation. And then Summer turns off the TV and Morty says, why'd you turn it off? And Summer says, for dramatic effect. Mm-hmm. And then finally, the Mr. Poopy Butthole stuff in the end the tag, end, yeah. where he's just talking about, whoa what's going to happen to uh, Rick, guys? Do you yeah. think? And so it's just outright breaking the fourth wall. Mm-hmm. Is that... Does it get in the way at all of the story? Is it a negative effect? Mm. Is it just laziness? Is yeah. it being too I mean, smart by half? Yeah, I don't. I've I've never really counted the summer doing it for dramatic effect um, in the same way that I have the other ones. Mm. Um, I I have wondered whether or not because obviously Rick acknowledges that he is in a television show. I mean, we even have his like his catchphrases and well, stuff. Blah, 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 and... Blah, but it's not just him because while he's the one who says it outright, everybody starts waving the camera. But if you if you notice, they kind of look at each other like, "What's going on?" Oh, do the, they? They do. Oh, okay. Um, and so with interdimensional cable, mm-hmm. I have wondered if Rick has because we we see Mister Poopy Butt literally watching the show that we yeah, are watching. Yeah. yeah. Therefore, perhaps Rick has also seen that his life is a TV show and is aware that he is in a TV show, which also makes it also really super depressing that he knows that he's in a TV show, that he knows that there are acts, there are big, you know, beginnings, middles and ends to his story. You know, knowing that you're just kind of a cartoon character in a world. Liam Liam was talking to me last night about this and said the same thing. He wonders whether some of the reason that Rick doesn't give a shit is because he just does know he's fictional, essentially. I think it's entirely possible. That's. I really hope that doesn't happen. I don't think that's very clever or interesting. But the thing is, whether that is what's happening or not, I don't think they will acknowledge it. Okay. But I think you can hold that to be true to make that make sense. I don't like it. I think it... I think you're undoing you, you your work as a storyteller if you, you do that. You don't like the concept of the fact that it is a TV show or you don't like them breaking the fourth wall at all. I think I think sometimes breaking the fourth wall is dangerous. Mm-hmm. While it can be funny and if you're in the know, it's like, ah, you're breaking that trope and that stereotype. Every time you do it, and if you do it really frequently, you really chip away at the reality of your show. Mm-hmm. It starts to have less and less meaning. 
And I like the show. I think the show is at its best when it's not a believable universe, but I find it fascinating as a place. You're creating this place. And so if you keep reminding me or telling me that it's not real, mm-hmm. even though obviously I know that, you start to sort of tear away at the framework of it. And I, I it, it, Yeah, I think it, it can have that effect and it might have that effect on you and other viewers. And I think that's totally fair and fine. Um, but I don't think that is necessarily what could happen. I mean, I think the fact that Rick quite explicitly says this has no meaning, yeah. this means nothing, but it is in doing that, I feel like we want to find meaning within it. So I think it's always going to be that battle of meaninglessness sure. and finding meaning. And so just adding another layer on top of that, it doesn't really bother me. I understand why it could yeah, and it would do for other people, but it just doesn't really bother me very much. It's why it was a question more than anything because it never yeah. occurred to me until this is like my third or fourth time watching this season through. Mm. I just really started to notice the frequency of it. Mm-hmm. And I think if it was a little less frequent... I, I, I would honestly dislike it if they just outright became a part of the show that he like he mm. talked to Morty about it being a television show or we uh, yeah, or we moved out of it. And I don't that see that happening, happening either. Though. But it is a possibility based mm-hmm. off this theory, right, yeah. that it's part of his like understanding yeah. of why it's meaningless, whatever, that you could just yeah. pull out of frame one day yeah. and have him talk to the audience directly. And it's like I don't. I don't want that. I don't think that's very clever. I think it's been done since mm. the days when Donald Duck was fighting, Daffy Duck was fighting with the artist. Yeah. Do you know we've been done it already? Yeah, no, no, I understand that. I'd, I am happy for them to do it, mm. like, as in do the the uh, fourth wall breaking mm. um, with, without necessarily diving into what that means. That. As long as, and they, I think they have done that, that it's logically sound within the world, that it's possible that he is aware that he's in a tv show and and it i i i'm quite sure that it does track oh it absolutely yeah. does i mean i'm just thinking about yeah. episode so as, lo- as long episodes. as it like it, it makes sense we don't necessarily need to acknowledge it nor does it need to be a storyline at all but it, it makes sense and it doesn't bother me so i'm happy with it okay yeah. interesting um i'll be interested to see if it, if, it, if it ever becomes something more substantial in the show mm. it just just because it's it's one of the more consistent things in the show is how often it happens, really. Yeah. I'm just thinking of episode eight of this latest season we haven't talked about yet. And he outright talks to Cameron and says, we're doing this instead of this episode this season. Mm. Yeah. It's funny. Yeah. It, it's really, yeah, it's there. Anyway, uh, let's move on. Final episode of the season, episode 10, The Wedding Squanches. Mm. Rick and the Smith family are invited to Birdperson and Tammy's wedding. Congratulations, guys. Mm. Well, no, congratulations. Yes. Yeah, sure. Let's go with that. Congratulations. <laughs> um, also, RIP. Yeah. Simultaneously. So, this is a really law-heavy episode, which I like. Mm-hmm. I like law-heavy stuff. I like when I get to find out more about my characters. Yep. We learn a lot about Rick uh, and his history with Birdperson and Squanchy in particular. Mm-hmm. Their involvement, they allude to past conflicts. They're now terrorists essentially on the run. Mm-hmm. Tammy ends up being a double agent who who uh, kills bird person in cold blood. (laughs) We don't see the 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 uh, the fate of Squanchy. Mm -hmm. Rick and the family get away. They have to go into hiding. Go and hide on a tiny little planet. (laughs) Very funny visual gag. That and the Cobb Planet. Oh, (laughs) actually, all three of those planets are hilarious. Yeah, it's great. (laughs) Really funny. Cobb Planet, Screaming Sun Planet, and then the. Just a tiny planet. 
But yeah. then Rick overhears that they Jerry basically suggesting they hand Rick over mm-hmm. because it would make their life simpler. Rick instead gets ahead of them and hands himself in, essentially. Yeah. The Smith family are allowed to go back to Earth, which has changed. It's now under Federation control. And Rick is in custody. He's he is. in intergalactic jail. How do you feel about this episode? It's not as, like, it's not ruminating on one particular concept like other ones do. It's not, like, about Beth and Jerry's relationship. Mm-hmm. It's not about Rick's self-loathing specifically. It's kind of just a narrative thrust to take us uh, to move our characters along towards a, maybe a final goal or ending mm-hmm. eventually. Now, what do you think? I love this episode. I think it's really good. I really, really love it. I, 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 I find it, it's truly hilarious. I mean, all three of those planets, gold, gold. the wedding itself, a lot of it, very, very funny. I love Beth talking to bird person. <laughs> and when he leaves, and she's like, just like talking like to a brick, brick wall. wall. Yeah. And she was awful in that. Yeah. She's just the worst. Yeah. Um, just blinded by her own shit as per usual. Uh, Tammy's betrayal of bird person was weirdly heartbreaking. I'm like, oh my God, how could you, Tammy? Um, and we have. Because bird person is a pure soul. He's, he's gorgeous. Mr. I love basically bird the Spock person. to. Uh, that's really. Yeah, that's a good point. To Rick's. Really terrible. Shatner, to, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Shatner, yeah. Kirk. Um, yeah, and just like the yeah the hilarious planets, and you know Rick overhearing Beth, yeah, which is heartbreaking and awful, and then he hands himself over while also saying "fuck you" to Jerry when he's talking about how much. He oh, likes. that's hilarious! What, what does he say? Like, I know something about testicles. Yeah, um, which is funny, and I think it's the combination of things being very very funny and having an emotional gut punch. Yes, that. I love that. That yeah, there is a there works on many quadrants. There's mm-hmm. just a interesting story that puts our character, as Mr. Pippa Butthole says at the end, puts our main characters in a really interesting cliffhanger. Like mm. we're interested to see what happens next. It's a new, it's a yeah. The, the status quo has been shifted momentarily, so that's mm-hmm. fun. Certainly left me wanting the next season as quickly as possible, mm-hmm. though not demanding it like some fans did. Um, plus, it was funny. Plus, there was those emotional stakes yeah. as well. And Pretty it was good. The first time that I had heard Nine Inch Nails hurt, I've only ever heard the Johnny Cash. version. I know the Johnny Cash version is the one that gets around a lot. It yeah. was great in the Logan trailer, but it was cool to hear the actual like original yeah, version. Yeah, I was like, ah, oh. yeah. Applies pretty well to uh, to Rick. Yes, it does. No, I I really 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 like this sh- this episode. Yeah, what, I what do were too. your thoughts on it? No, I agree. I don't think again it. I, I think it's funny because there's less to bite into thematically. Mm-hmm. It's just sort of like getting to a place with these characters but that's been heading for a while and mm. finally getting to that point. Sort of when Morty is asking him not to leave and Rick's saying, I'm not leaving. He's you like, know. I'll never forgive you if you hurt mum again. Exactly. Yeah. And then just the, the... I just love the bit even where Rick's talking about, like, if I'm going to get ice cream, I don't come back. I didn't go get ice cream. I just went to a place where there was ice cream and just his, <laughs> his incessant belligerence and, yeah. like, smart-assness. Asshole to the end. Asshole yeah. to the end. And then when, you know... They, I think it's Beth that asks, is he coming back? And mm. Marty's like, no. Morty's like, no. And then the, it's cool. It's cool. And it, and I just, I really do like the, I really do like that Rick obviously has a deep connection to Bird Person. Although he, it takes him a lot to outrightly say it. And you might, can be, that's even pretty cynical too. Mm. When he dies, it's obviously. It's a huge loss. A huge loss. Yeah. He doesn't have an out. 
his outward emotional response isn't that huge, but like that was someone who understood him mm-hmm. better than most people, probably yeah. better than anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, there's so there's some connection there. So bird yeah. person's loss is important. Yeah. It even feels like a bird person is someone that Rick respects, which yes. is very rare. I mean, yes. we see it with that's unity. That's a great way of putting it. And obviously we see it with bird person and, and so Squanchy, although when, that's more of like a jovial friendship, it feels like. When he's angry with... Like he's upset about the idea of him getting ma- of bird person getting married. Mm. That's because he has so much respect for bird person. He, he should to, be above it. He should be above it and all these sorts of things. Yeah. Um. And so it is cool to see that mm-hmm. and to just spend some time with that. It's a it's a really good season finale. It does exactly what a season finale should do. Yeah. I think, and it does a good a lot to hold up everything that came before in this season and and elevate it and make it all give it all just a rounds it out nicely before mm. we can move into season three. Yeah, it's good. I don't have a huge amount of notes for it, I don't think. Fair enough. Uh, oh, is every season going to end with a party? That seems to be something we're going with. I'm expecting episode 10 to be I some sort so. of party. I hope so. I don't mind that. Yeah. It's fine. It's quite fun. Uh, take your attitude to the... Yeah, Jerry to Beth. Take your attitude to the men's section of Kmart because you need to cut me some slack. <laughs> <laughs> the very good. Oh, Jerry. God bless you. <laughs> yeah. Um, I wonder how long he's been working on that. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah he's held on that <laughs> he's one for ages. probably like in the meatball traveling across the galaxy <laughs> thinking yeah, of that one. Yeah. Totally. Um, cool. Do you have any other notes? I don't think so. I think we kind of hit on everything. Do you have any quick fire comments that are left over? Because like I said, I think I've gone through all mine. Basically. No, because as we went, I realized I only had one left. So I just said it. So oh, no. cool. Excellent. So. so I think we should just start wrapping it up then. We mm-hmm. are yeah, getting to about the point we should be finishing the podcast. So let's do it. Favorite and least favorite episodes. Uh, I'll go first. Let's go with, start with least favorite. I like okay. ending with favorite. I sure. Think it's nice. That's a good idea. We should we should switch that up. Good call. My least favorite episode is episode eight, Interdimensional Cable 2, mm-hmm. Tempting Fate, for exactly the reasons I said during the podcast. It just it, going back to that well wasn't a good idea in the end. It's just not as good mm-hmm. and it feels kind of cynical that we went there at all in the end and yeah. it's just, yeah. It's the episode I could happily ditch from the yeah, entire show and yeah. never see it again I'd be happy what about you uh, mine is episode 5 Get Swifty uh, that, was, it, that would have been second for me yeah. Um, yeah I think that those two episodes are pretty interchangeable yep. um, it, it felt like just like a filler episode you know like I said I love the song um, but the intergalactic singing contest was meh the cult thing with Summer was meh no one's character was really affected and the iced tea thing felt like it was from another show it didn't really I didn't find it very funny I agree Uh, what's your favourite my favourite episode is episode 4 Total Rickle (laughs) um because while it's not as thematically rich as something like, uh, what what's the um one with Beth and Jerry, uh, the marriage counselor? One? Oh, it's the tiny Rick one. Yeah, a uh, little Sanchez or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um. I I that w- was definitely con- uh potential for me my favorite episode of the mm. season, but ultimately I just think like every time I've watched I've watched these episodes three or four times now I laugh so much in Total Recall. <laughs> it's just really as funny. you can tell. So did I. Yeah, yeah it's it great. Just really entertaining and really fun. And there's just enough little emotional beats that I'm like, yeah, yeah. Like this is a just a fun, great, really well executed episode of television. Mm-hmm. What about you? Total Recall almost almost got it for yep. me because it it's so funny. It's so so funny. Um, but I have to give it to the finale. The finale, cool. Yeah. Um, like like I said, I love an emotional gut punch. And if you add a whole lot of amazing laughs on top of that, like yeah. I'll love you forever. Like that's 
that's get that balance. Yeah, it's that's the combination. Like the combination of those two things is what kind of defines my favorite shows, my favorite yeah. comedies, which is The American Office and Parks and Rec. Yeah, which is like hilarious. And my my stuff like, community as well. Yeah, is like but when like it hits both those God, notes. they get you. And yeah. this episode re- really, really did that for me. Cool. Um. Yeah. And so yeah, I I love that that episode. It's not as you know, doesn't have like these hugely thematic things happening in it. it's not like it's high, not as high concept, concept. Yeah, yeah exactly yeah. right um but emotionally it really resonated with me and i found it really funny so yeah, totally understandable is a good episode mm-hmm. great episode final score and ranking i'm gonna go first okay i give this four out of five mm. i gave last season 4.5 because i want some room to wriggle and I ultimately I think I was looking as I said earlier I looked back through that list of 11 episodes from the first season and it's really hard to ding any of them particularly there are better episodes than others but I think all of them are really solid ultimately whereas this one there are one maybe even two with Gwet Swifty that if you took it out of the catalogue or if I was in a hurry to watch through it I might skip them Mm -hmm. because they just don't appeal to me very much I would legitimately skip particularly Gwet Swifty but yeah yeah Mm -hmm. so but What's there is still there's still some really really great stuff and mm. you know better than ninety nine percent of stuff on television. Um, I love a lot of it, but those two episodes bring it down to a four instead of a four point five for me. Yeah, it's interesting because I gave yeah the last season four and a half because like thinking we said, you were going to go to five. I, I thought I was going to go to five this uh, season. When you said that, I was like, I'm pretty sure I don't like season two as much. So I, I was, was ready. For I this. was adamant that I, I I liked it more. I really was. And then as I was watching it, and don't get me wrong, there was episodes I'm like, fuck, I love this. This yeah. is so good. Um, but there were some I was like, oh, oh, actually, this is not as good as I remember it being, yeah. which was shocking to me. And yeah. that's why I was telling you that I was going back and forth between two scores, which right. was. Four and a half and four, and I was going to decide as we were talking. Yep. And then, yeah, I mean, like I said, we've got two ones that could be skipped. Yes. Which is not the case in season one. That's how I feel. So, it's got to be a four. Yeah. But that's with an asterisk, which is, it's a better four than most other fours because this show, I have such a high standard for. Sure. Does it make you want to make maybe make season one a five and this a 4.5? Mm. I, mean, I still don't think the first season's perfect by no, any means. No, I don't think so. Because a show doesn't have to be perfect to get a five for me. Yeah. Uh, th- sometimes this happens with video game scores a lot. People get very thinking about what a 10 means or a <laughs> five out of five means. And there's a lo- been a lot of bloodshed on the internet about these debates, about a, mm. a, a what a, a hundred... Many good men lost. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, good men. The... <laughs> um, the thing that the best thing I've ever seen for why a, a game can be a hundred or a ten or a, or a five out of five and not be perfect is that it is masterful. It's the idea that while mm. it's not, it, it's not completely flawless. What it does get right and it, it gets so right mm. that it is on a level surpassing ninety nine point nine percent of everything else out there. That deserve. I I agree. That's the case. And so I don't think Rick and Morty is incapable of getting a five. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm interested in like we've been watching season three as it goes on. I'm going to rewatch the whole season one more time. But I know there are a couple of episodes that I don't love as much as others, but I'm already thinking to myself this that season three is probably better than season two. Mm-hmm. That I don't think there's any th- outright throwaway episodes I would get rid of if that makes sense. I mean, I haven't watched the latest, but I can't think of any so far. Right, mm. and but I knew last week that at least, at least interdimensional gal like. Cable 2 was going to be a problem for me. 
Yeah. And Get Swifty, as soon as I got there, I was like, oh, yeah, Get Swifty's not really that good an episode, is it? <laughs> That's funny because get, get, it's interesting because Get Swifty and like the floating heads and show me what you got has been yeah. pretty popular. Like that is a. Because it's fun to say. It's true, yeah. I mean, I say Get Swifty all the time because it's just here. really fun to say. Sure. Um, that's all we can really talk about this stage. Mm-hmm. Looking forward to talking about season three. I'm looking forward to watching the finale on the weekend. Yeah, That'll be good. Very exciting. Um, but that's all we've got for today. So we'll be back next week. Hopefully Sunday or, Mo- or Monday. Monday or Tuesday we'll have this episode up uh, for everyone else instead of a Wednesday like we normally do. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, episode season three. Season three, yeah. Um, in the meantime, you can contact us by searching for Hunting Seasons on Facebook, by finding us on Twitter at Hunting Cast, by e- emailing us at Hunting Seasons podcast at gmail.com. You can find myself, Broderick Gordis, at on Twitter at B Gordis, B G O R D E S Damask. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Maskymu, M A S K Y M O. Uh, if uh, Thank you to uh, Sean Kirkpatrick for a wonderful Hunting Seasons logo and graphics. You can find his work at seankirkpatrickdesigns.portfolioBox.net. Thank you to Jordan Calavis for our wonderful Hunting Seasons theme song. You can find his work at soundcloud.com slash classicjrex. Please, 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 please consider throwing us some stars on iTunes. That helps a whole lot to get noticed by uh, other potential listeners. Uh, next week, as we said, we'll be back for Rick and Morty Season 3. In the meantime, thank you very much for listening. We'll see you then. Bye. Earbuds, Melbourne's podcast network. Earbudsnetwork.com. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out of pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.